0: Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM
1: 89.3. This is Market View. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific markets are trending lower this Monday morning as investors look ahead to a U.S. Federal Reserve meeting this week. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How was the weekend, Ryan Huang? Oh, it's awesome. Michelle, how's yours? Very, very cold. (laughs) I was bundled up, Ryan.
0: Well, it's not as cold as a studio, I imagine.
1: (laughs) That's true. You definitely take the cake there. Okay, let's start this morning in Mumbai, where the business empire of one of Asia's biggest tycoons, Gautam Adani, continues to come under attack amid allegations of stock market manipulation and accounting fraud. So shares of Adani companies, including his flagship Adani Enterprise, as well as those of units like Adani Green Energy and Adani Total Gas, plunge some 20% on Friday. More than 50 billion US dollars of market value has been erased in just two trading sessions. So, we talked a little bit about this last week, Ryan, but Adani's troubles have escalated since our last chat. So, remind us what is the source of Adani's problems? Why are investors dumping Adani shares?
0: Yeah, it all started from a short seller report from Hindenburg. So, it was a whopper 100 pages report and it outlined how many uh, questions need to be asked about Adani's financials, about corporate governance, and it really spanned a wide range of issues. So that is off the back of the Hindenburg short-study report. So it starts to raise some concerns about how, I guess, um, proper things are at Adani's enterprises. So on the back of that, We had people just selling first and asking questions later. And then today we had a rebuttal, 413 pages to rebut the 100 pages. So it looks like three quarters of the 88 questions being raised by Hindenburg have been answered according to Adani Group. And many of them, according to Adani, answered in public disclosures. So it is quite a huge... um, uh, report to digest. I'm still trying to wrap my heads around the first few pages. Uh, by and large, it seems like he has some valid points. Many of them are indeed answered in public disclosures.
1: Before the rout in Adani's shares started, Gautam Adani was the world's third richest man vi- behind LVMH's Bernard Arnault and Tesla's Elon Musk. Adani has now slipped to seventh position on the Forbes list. Before you feel too bad for him, he's still worth $96 billion. U.S. dollars. And Adani, by the way, is a university dropout. He started his career sorting diamonds mm. for a firm in Mumbai. Today, the Adani Group is India's largest port operator. It operates some of the country's biggest airports and it has investments in coal and gas and renewable energies. What a story. We'll keep an eye out on how that unfolds. Ryan, international investors turned bullish on Indian stocks in the second half of last year. Is there a chance now that Adani's troubles could have a knock-on effect on other sectors of India's economy and its markets. Is there a risk of contagion and perhaps that Adani's bankers may be in trouble?
0: Yeah, that's a very good question to ask, Michelle. When you have such a huge conglomerate with its fingers in so many pieces of pies in the Indian economy, you have to ask, you know, how big is it? Is it too big to fail? And if you go by what some brokerages are reporting, it does not seem to be a big risk right now, based on what they know, at least. So Jeffries and CLSA are among them saying it does not right now, the debt pose a risk to Indian banks and bank current fund, the Adani Group debt um, to a level less than 40%. And we have bonds from financial institutions and foreign banks forming a larger part of that 40%. So that is something, I guess, that might give comfort to investors in the Indian market that maybe this could be contained to some level within the mm-hmm. Adani Group if there was any problems in the first place. So that mm-hmm. is, I guess, some consolation for Indian market investors.
1: Two major international brokerages, Jefferies and CSLA, say that Adani's group's debt do not pose a risk to Indian banks. However, that didn't stop investors from selling off Indian banking shares on Friday. Shares of the State Bank of India and Bank of Baroda dropped 5%. Shares of India's Life Insurance Corp. LIC fell nearly as much as well. Now, Hindenburg Research, the short seller that issued that negative report on Adani, has credibility on Wall Street. Its founder, Nathan Anderson, worked with the analysts who actually uncovered Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme. If you haven't watched that Netflix documentary, you must. It's really terrific. Uh, the Adani Group, meanwhile, has published a 413-page rebuttal to Hindenburg Research, in which it argues that the research is conducting, quote, a calculated securities fraud against it. So Ryan, at this point, from what we've seen so far, how could this play out? Will Gautam Adani succeed in debunking these allegations thrown at it by Hindenburg Research, or really are his companies very vulnerable to a further sell-off?
0: Yeah, let me lay it out on the table first. So you've got Hindenburg <laughs> accusing Adani of the biggest con in corporate history. And you think about that, the biggest con, that is beyond Enron and whatever other Ponzi schemes you might have laid out. So that is quite a huge, bold accusation. And you have Hindenburg as well. You mentioned it being connected to, you know, uncovering what happened with Bernie Madoff. It also was behind the shorts under or behind Nikola Corporation, which was the EV maker, uh, which had so much promise Until Hindenburg started to come up with reports against it. And then that that led to a plunge of over 90%. And its founder, Trevor Milton, eventually convicted of defrauding investors. This was sometime late last year. So that's something to take into account. It has a good track record in bringing down some of its targets. So that is um, something you chew on. And then you look at the other end. You've got Gautam Adani. He has huge backers and he is widely known to be connected in some fashion to some high-level politicians, among them, Indian Prime Minister, Narendra Modi, which is one reason why people say he is that rich and so successful because he is pretty much aligning himself to all the Indian growth plans. So whatever that India needs, he is supplying it. So that is the picture here that you have to kind of balance yourself. Now, who is going Mm. to win out? Is there enough firepower in what? Hindenburg is laying out and you could be in for even more it might not have laid out all its cards yet and then you have the other side with huge backers in politics and also in the business world you know, right. they all could you know, support um, Adani to some extent and it's going to be a very tough one to call until we see more details um, being laid out
1: Meanwhile, the fight still unfolds. Hindenburg Research is doubling down on its allegations. The company says Adani has not answered any of the questions raised in its claims and says that any lawsuits filed against it will be without merit. In the meantime, the stunning market sell-off in Adani shares has cast a pall over a huge secondary share sale by the Adani Group. That started on Friday. It continues today. This sale is the biggest ever fundraising initiative by a publicly listed Indian company. And it's intended to help the Adani Group pay down its debts and fund its capital expenditure as well. So we'll keep an eye on how that plays out the next turn of the screw, so to speak. We turn now from India to China, where investors are returning from a week-long Lunar New Year holiday. Chinese equities appear to have bottomed out in October. Since then, the CSI 300 index is up 19%. 18%. Ryan, what are the chances that the China market kicks off the year of the rabbit by hopping directly <laughs> into a bull market?
0: Yeah, there are some lofty expectations we could be in <laughs> for some catch-up buying. And that could be you know, what we've been seeing. Um, in the past few weeks, we've seen Asian markets doing well and China may be joining the bandwagon. So it is possibly looking to write on the optimism, especially when you talk about how China's economy is reopening and many sectors will benefit. So that's going to be one to um, keep in mind as we uh, look for investors trying to figure out what to do from here. And of course, uh, it's going to be a very busy week with a lot of news to digest.
1: Early data indicates that a resurgence of consumer demand and mobility in China as travellers swarmed China's scenic destinations this past week. Some 700 million Chinese have travelled during this Lunar New Year break. That is still significantly below pre-COVID levels, hasn't quite resumed the Chinese tourist rush, but a lot of people purchasing plane and train tickets all the same. There's always been a level of risk with Chinese stocks. We never know, for example, if Beijing will step Been again to cool off a sector the way it did with its tech stocks. But if an investor wants to play the China market, what might be a couple of ideas right now, Ryan?
0: Yeah, the obvious ones would be to look at what the policymakers are supporting. And here you've got a lot of measures being rolled out to revive the economy by getting people to spend more and borrow more to some extent. So you can look maybe at some of the consumer. Oriented companies, and this could be stuff that you uh, would typically see like supermarkets and so internet giants. uh, You talk about that crackdown, the worst of it may be over with recent signs of how they've given blessings to Ang Group to go for an IPO again. And also, if you look at what's been uh, in focus the spending by some of these Chinese tourists going overseas. So that could be another proxy when you look at how um, luxury names like LVMH and others in that group will be beneficiaries to the China reopening of borders as well.
1: Bullish sentiment on Chinese stocks has given Hong Kong markets a big boost. The Hang Seng Index is up more than 50% over the past three months. It still has not recaptured the levels of a year ago, though it is close to doing so. Let's turn to the U.S. now, Ryan. Tech stocks finish higher for the fourth straight week. The Nasdaq up 11% since the beginning of the month. Tech stocks are really having their best January in decades. And the S&P 500 is about to achieve something called a golden cross. The first time that will happen since 2020. Um, the golden cross happens when the index's 50-day moving average crosses its 200-day moving average. I just charted out, it's usually a bullish sign. Meanwhile, Ryan, there is another technical indicator. It's not as well known and it's called the January sentiment effect. And it appears to be bullish as well. Tell us more.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting. It does have a valid point when you look at how it's been um, described or constructed. So what it means is when you have a good January it typically spells a good rest of the year because that is going to mean more optimistic investors and consumers. Uh, They will tend to increase their allocation in stocks from their retirement portfolios or accounts like the 401k or RA portfolios. That is um, something that will set up the stage for the rest of the year. Typically, they just do it once a year and that is in January. So when you have a good month, everyone's talking about buying stuff, you you might be joining in the crowd.
1: We take a step back and look at the narrative that shaping market action, there definitely seems to be a shift. Some analysts argue that investors increasingly think that inflation is all news, that inflation is yesterday's problem and that growth is the main worry for 2023. Tell us more.
0: Yeah, you have this narrative of how some of the bad news we've been talking about for so long may to some extent have been already priced in. So that is now in recent weeks seeing a lot of tech companies talking about layoffs and then the big question is what's next? And then you have the more optimistic side saying, hey, maybe this is a sign that the worst is over. All the companies um, need to do now is focus on growth, streamlining their costs and once they've laid off the people they've uh, needed to do, uh, then things are going to look up and then if you look at what's going to come in the second part of the year, Uh, you have some signs of um, the Fed possibly starting to take their foot off the pedal when it comes to rate hikes because uh, some indications are that they will have room to do so, uh, that they have managed to meet to some degree their targets when it comes to hiking rates, slower growth. Um, So that's all something to look to plus... China's reopening story will then start to support the global economy later in the year as well. So if you combine all that, there is some argument that markets could be being um, supported for the later part of the year.
1: Business sentiment definitely seems to be poor. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in the tech sector and elsewhere in corporate America. But if you look at the hard data, it doesn't look that bad. The US economy grew at a solid pace, 2.9% in the fourth quarter, Of the year. So, as investors try to balance these competing narratives, Ryan, what are they going to be on the lookout for the week ahead?
0: Yeah, it's going to be what I would dub the calm before the storm. So, this week, the early part of this week, is going to be relatively quiet. It's going to be the later part of the week where we will see more. I believe, choppy action because of all the news flow. So on Thursday itself, we will get three central banks in action, the FOMC, and then the Bank of England and the ECB, plus a slew of tech earnings from Alphabet, Apple, and also a slew of other tech names. So that's going to be in focus as well. So they will have a lot to chew on when it comes to markets' direction.
1: Time now for corporate news, Ryan. It's up or down time. Let's start with Tesla. Is it an up for the EV maker?
0: All right, I am going with down for Tesla. So Elon Musk in the news because he might be in trouble. So the SEC is investigating him for his role in potentially what they describe as shaping the company's claims on self-driving cars. So basically, um, the thing here is the overpromise by Tesla of how its autopilot driver assistance system is actually autopilot. You no, know? How much of it is really autopilot? Because based on some of the advertisements, the model or the person inside it is not actually using his hands and has his mm. hands on his lap. And right. then you have Elon Musk to some degree um, in some cases talking about how Tesla can be auto-driven. But that is not actually the case because you should be... Um, keeping your hands On the steering wheel At all times Legally As well as According to the Tesla website So you have this Overpromise Based on some Messaging from Advertisements And according to the SEC Elon Musk as well So that mm-hmm. is Going to see him Potentially in Hop Soup If um, that comes to pass
1: Interesting insight, Ryan. I was looking at Tesla shares. It just had its best week in nearly a decade. Tesla shares surged 33% last week. So in my book, that's an up for Tesla, at least from the perspective
0: of today. Let's look at NVIDIA. All right. NVIDIA is going to be an up for me based on how its founder, Jensen Mm. Huang, is raking it in because of ChatGPT. So he is making the chips that power AI and with ChatGPT just you know, creating so much buzz, everyone's trying to you write know, the growth of this potential sector. So it is seeing his company enjoying quite a lift recently.
1: We've talked a lot about ChatGPT on this show, the artificial intelligence chatbot. In fact, one of my guests got ChatGPT to answer one of my questions. And uh, one company that appears set to profit from the AI race, definitely NVIDIA. Its share price is up nearly 50% over the past three months. Okay, let's look at big oil companies, ExxonMobil and Chevron.
0: Yeah, in short, it's up for me because last year was a bumper (laughs) year for oil and gas companies. And Mm -hmm. we had... Chevron, for example, talking about a record full-year profit lifted by high oil prices, and they then laid out a huge buyback share buyback program to $275 billion. So we could be in for even more good news down the road as we see these oil companies benefit.
1: Right. ExxonMobil, Chevron, BP, Shell, Total Energies, they are expected to report profits of some one hundred and ninety billion U.S. dollars for 2022. So an up for these companies. But watch out for how oil profits play out in public opinion and among legislators. Okay, now a local entry, Parkway Life REIT.
0: I am going with up for partway life ReIT, So DPU Meeting. is higher mm. by 2.1% to 14 cents or 14.38 cents.
1: Yeah, Parkway Life reit unit holders set to receive higher, slightly higher payouts. The healthcare reit increasing DPU by 2.1%, so definitely an up for me as well. All right, and now the latest six-figure job. I wish I could do this. Uh, a dog walker is making more than a hundred thousand US dollars a year. Do you think a dog walker could make that much here in Singapore, Ryan? Hmm.
0: I imagine you could make some money, but I'm not sure about $100,000. So, I know a lot of dog lovers would spend big time on the dog, you know, for shampoos or manicures even, or just to give them a back rub or a massage. So, <laughs> they spend big money on their pets. So, I imagine maybe it could reach there one day, but uh, it's still going to be big money nonetheless, no. So, maybe it's something for look at, Michelle. It
1: is. I mean, I was just thinking of getting another dog, and then I thought, you know, the dog walking twice a day. What would I pay to get somebody else to do that? $14 for half an hour is what this 100,000 US dollar a year dog walker charges. And I think there'd be people in Singapore who would pay for that, honestly. Mm. So, hey, we. Have given you some ideas on how you can make your living. Okay, I hope you try it out. Let it, let me know. Let me know how it's going. Whistle and Wag, by the way, is the name of uh, this dog walker's company. Love it, Whistle and Wag. All right, thank you so much, Ryan Huang.
0: Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.